0: I, uh, I sit in all the, all the worship times uh, every Sunday, 9, 15, 11, and 5. And you would think by 5, I'm like, okay, here's the More Than Able song. I'm good. I'm going to get through it without crying. Nope, nope. Can't make it through without. It just, that, it just gets you because you think it's done and you get, you're not done with me yet. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Ugly cry. But I sit on front so y'all can't see it. Um. I uh, I don't know, hold on one second, I gotta put my watch on silent because people are texting me and I'm preaching. <laughs> Bam. Don't you love technology? I don't know if you got a group of friends um, that are always trying to get you to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. And I'm not talking about peer pressure, I'm not talking about anything bad. But a few years ago, like pre-Shannon, I had, people would like feel sorry for me. Like you're by yourself and, you're such a homebody and you need to get out more. And I'm like, I don't, I don't wanna get out more. I like my life and I'm, I really am. I, I love being at my house. Today, my house, me and Shannon with our dogs watching TV, that's the best night ever. You need to get out more. No, we don't. We, we love staying home. Why don't you get out more? Because of people like you asking that question. That's why we don't get out more. But I had a group of people and they're like, you should get out more. You should go, do, go with us and do something. I'm like, well, what? Just give me an example, and they're like, Top Golf, and I'm like, that's about as close to hell on earth as I could get, because I can't play golf, and I asked if I could take a shotgun, because if I could take a shotgun to Top Golf, that'd be, to shoot the balls when they hit it, I think that would be fine, but no, and then, and then probably the dumbest idea that anybody has ever shared with me is like, why don't you go with us to an escape room? Now quick survey, how many have done an escape room? You bet, okay, yeah, yeah. See, I don't need that in my life because I've got that every time I shut my eyes at night, that's what I dream, I'm in an escape room, right? And, but I didn't know what it was because at first I've heard about those rooms where you get in, they give you like an ax and a hatchet and a baseball bat and you bust your way out and I'm like, well, I got some rage, I could, I could use that. And they're like, no, 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 it's different. They lock you in a room um, for, a, for a certain amount of time Sometimes you know the people, sometimes you don't know the people, and uh, you gotta figure out how to get out. And I went, that's the, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why, why would I pay money? And somebody told me recently, it's a, it's a team building exercise. Yeah, so is eating donuts. That's a better team building exercise, right? But this is the main reason, because somebody got, I mean, they got mad at me, and they are like, you're just all about control. And I'm like, no, it's not about control. Kind of, well, maybe a little, but it's not about Control is because there's a certain way that I don't wanna feel. And I don't wanna feel this way in any area of my life. And I don't, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian or you're here tonight and you're not a Christian or you're here and you're, and you're pretty far in your spiritual journey or you're here and you just started, I think this word that I'm about to put on the screen, all of us could at least agree that not, we don't like feeling trapped. Nobody does. Nobody does. I'm I'm gonna talk to no one in the lobby and say, hey, what do you wanna do tonight when you leave? I wanna get trapped in traffic. I wanna get out here on Clemson Boulevard and I want... Everybody to slow down to look at somebody's windshield wiper that fell off their car and everybody slows. I want to get trapped in traffic. I want you tomorrow at work. I want to get trapped in a conversation because everybody has that coworker, and when you see them coming, you're like, Don't talk to me, don't talk to me, don't talk to me. And they pull you, they can I talk to you for a minute? And it's never a minute. It's 17 minutes. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm gonna have to fake a stroke to get out of this one, right? Do you know those people? You know those people? By the way, if you don't know those people, you are those people. You are that person at work. Or this is my favorite. Has Anybody ever tried to show you a video on their phone and you're like, oh yeah, and you think it's gonna be 30 seconds and 30 minutes later, you binged watched an entire episode of Netflix. You're like, is there a point to this, right? You're trapped. And nobody likes feeling trapped. Nobody likes feeling trapped uh, physically, emotionally, or spiritually. And that's why we're doing this series, Getting Stronger, specific. Now, it's, it's geared towards men. Now, when I say that, let me just, Throw a couple disclaimers out there because we had, we had a Karen online this week and she got a little upset. She's like, why aren't you gonna do a series for women? And I'm like, Karen, we got you this fall. We're gonna do a series for women and it'll be awesome and you'll love it and it'll be great. But I figure, I figure we, should talk to the, we should talk to the men first. I also should let you know that, and this is I'm just straight up, I, I believe that there are biological men and biological women and that's it. And that, listen, I don't, I don't hate anybody. I don't say that with any hatred in my heart. There's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate. And, and I, I am, I love Jesus. I love people. But this is what I believe. I believe God is God. God is perfect. And God does not make mistakes. And because God does not make mistakes, that he made you and he made me exactly like he wanted us to be. And when we start trying to change things, we fall for the same lie that Eve fell for in Genesis 3 when Satan approached her and said, you can be like God. You, can, you don't have to do things his way. You can change things around. That's just, and we'll talk more about that. Some people go, there are cultural wars. No, 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 there's never been a cultural war. It's all a spiritual war. There, is, there are, there are, Godly forces and demonic forces behind all of this stuff. I can't wait to dive in. Are you uncomfortable yet? You'll get there, all right? Nobody likes to feel trapped, but when it comes to Jesus and Christianity and religion and spirituality, whatever tag or label you wanna put on it, I know for a fact that most men feel trapped. We feel trapped because, well, we don't really know how to move forward. We don't really know, and, and and let's be honest. Now, I didn't say this this morning, but this is what I feel tonight. Maybe you feel trapped because there's, there's something you're caught up in and you don't wanna do it, but you don't know how to get out. Yeah, that, that hit the mark, and the reason I know it is because I've been that guy many times in my own life, and nobody likes feeling trapped. So tonight and for the rest of this series, we're gonna talk about how to get out of the trap that the enemy's trying to get you in because if he can keep you in a trap, you'll never step out and become the man that God wants. And listen, if you will take a step towards Jesus, it will blow your mind what he will begin to do in your life. We're gonna look at the story of Gideon. Now, some people know Gideon as as the people that hand out the Bibles, and and that's the only way you know Gideon, but Gideon is a guy in the book of Judges. What happened is the Israelites would come into the promised land, they came into the promised land, and they were all about the Lord, like we love the Lord. But then they started hanging out with some people that didn't love the Lord, and then they started doing some stuff that they shouldn't do. Then they started worshiping like false gods, and then God would let them like fall under, like God would let their circumstances just play out and then they would hit rock bottom, and then they would say, you know what? We think we need to get back to this we love the Lord thing. So they would, they, they would start worshiping the Lord, and this was like a cycle, and it happened. And God would always start with one person. He would always start with a man, um, or in Judges 4 and 5, he actually used a woman named Deborah um, to deliver the nation of Israel. So we're going to pick it up in Judges 6 where he uses a guy named Gideon and we're going to talk about Gideon for the next 6 7 weeks I hadn't decided yet because I keep seeing stuff and it's awesome. Here we go. Verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Now that's that's what matters. Not the Democrat site or the Republican site or the Supreme Court site or the mainstream media site, but like the Lord's site. We we've got to get back to that. So and the Lord's like, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. To the Midianites. Now, I would ask if there's any Midianites here tonight, but they don't exist anymore. They're not here. There might be a couple down around Honeyapath, but, but other than that, I think, I think we're pretty free of the Midianites. Now, let me, let me just kind of set this up because the Bible, it's so fascinating. It's It's an eternal book. It doesn't just tell us what happened and what is going to happen, but it's what is happening. So this next part, it blew my mind when I discovered this, and just stay with me. The Midianites didn't worship the true God. They worshiped some false gods. The two main false gods they worshiped, one was named Baal. Baal was kind of in charge of the rain. He was always depicted, anytime we see pictures of him, um, he would be holding a lightning bolt. He, was, he, he controlled the rain. You could say um, he controlled the climate. So they worshiped at the feet of a climate God. Let me just stop for a minute, because people are like, Pastor P, what do you think about climate change? I don't, I don't think about it. You know why? I have a full-time job. I have a wife, a daughter, and two dogs. I keep up with them, and by the end of the day, I ain't got time. What about your carbon footprint? I've got a 15 shoe, does that have anything to do with my carbon footprint? I don't know. There's 8 billion people on the planet. The temperature's increasing. Is it? Because I'll go ahead and let y'all know, in the 70s, I was told there was an ice age coming. In the 80s, it was acid rain. In 90s, we were destroying the ozone layer. We've been been lied to for like 50 years by the same people. I'm just saying, at some point, somebody's got to call. And and I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me, because here's what's funny, and I, I just want people to be intellectually honest about this stuff. The same people that are obsessed with climate change also are the same people, 95% of the time at least, that deny that there's a God. And because they deny that there's a God, they believe in the theory of evolution. Now, if you unpack the theory of evolution, it's survival of the fittest, right? The strong always survive and the weak always die. So if you're a true believer in evolution, you should welcome climate change because it kills off the weak people and the strong people survive, I just want you to be intellectually honest in your hypocrisy. Okay. Now, the second god that they worshiped was was a female god named Asherah. And Asherah was the goddess of fertility. And one of the ways you would worship Asherah is you would practice what they called child sacrifice. You would literally kill your child. You would throw your child into, in, into the fire. It, 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 she was the goddess of fertility, so she was the, she was the goddess of sex. And if men were, got really into this whole Ashira worship and they wanted to progress, um, they would actually cut off their genitals in order to, to worship Ashira better. Now, don't miss this. The climate that we're seeing in verse one is the the people of God are being oppressed by people that are obsessed with climate change, sex, and gender mutilation. Isn't it funny how backwards the world used to be? And aren't we thankful that we've came so far? It's just, I heard a guy say it this way and it was so much better. New day, same demons. I mean, this is, and they're oppressing God's, God's people. In fact, this is what verse two said. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. So don't miss this. The, the people, the Midianites, and, and oh, I forgot to say this. In the Old Testament, during this time, you couldn't separate God and government. There was no such thing. In fact, the Israelites based their entire government system on the book of Deuteronomy. And if you wanna do a fascinating study, if there's any history nerds in the room like me, you go back and you look, the most influential book um, for our founding fathers when they were writing the original founding um, papers for our nation was the book of Deuteronomy because it's all about government and setting up order. And so, so you couldn't separate God and government. So the people that were oppressing the Israelites, their goal was to force them underground. And it kind of seems that we live in a culture today where the mainstream culture is trying to force God's people and God's church underground. It's like they don't want us to have a voice. You can speak up if you're a part of a political party. You can speak up if you're a part of a movement. But if you're a Christian and you wanna raise your hand, it's like you sit up and shut you, you, you sit up, or you sit down. I had a Joe Biden moment there for a minute. You sit down and shut up. There we go. I knew, it, I knew I'd find it, right? And it, it blows my mind that, that we comply. Now, let me stop real quick, let me stop, because we're gonna get into this in a little while. I'm not saying, don't get fired up and leave here tonight and, and become a jackass for Jesus right? Don't go get a megaphone and stand with a, with a poster board and start yelling at random things. That's not, I don't, that's not what God's called us to do. I've had people go, how do you know that's not, because I don't see that in the Bible anywhere. What about John the Baptist? That guy is not John the Baptist, all right? I mean, he's not even Presbyterian, charismatic, he's not even Lutheran, all right? So, the goal of these people was to force God's people underground. Now, Pastor P, does that really happen today? I don't know. Let me, let me throw out a hypothetical. Let's just say, let's just say there was a government force obsessed with sex, climate, and gender mutilation. By the way, anytime a group of people get obsessed with sex, it's always the children that are sacrificed. Always. So, so a group of people wanted to shut down the people of God, let's say they would, I don't know, come up with this, there's a virus and you can't go outside and you definitely can't go to church. Now, you can go to a bar or a strip club, but you can't go to church. That's just a hypothetical. Thank God we live in such an advanced world. Now, this, these next verses, I started to just summarize these, but I, want, I wanted you to feel the, the stress and the weight in these verses. Watch this, this is how oppressed they were. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel. Camping in the land, I always told y'all, you can't trust people to camp. Camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat. Taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. Now I had somebody tell me one time, Pastor P, I would never eat sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. You've never been hungry. You've been hangry, but you haven't been hungry. Took all all the food, all the animals, nothing to eat. They're underground and starving. Kind of like the church today in our country. Oh, there's a turnaround coming. Let's, let's keep reading, let's keep reading. These enemy hordes coming in with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And I would say that's where probably most of us cry out to the Lord for help, Right? when we hit rock bottom and there's nowhere else to go. Like the great, famous theologian, Jelly Roll recently said. Y'all know Jelly Roll? Y'all know anybody? I only talk to God when I need a favor. Y'all know it's a It's a pretty good song. I, I, don't, I, I don't know it, just Ryan told me about it. All right, so we're, <laughs> we're gonna keep going. Now, we finally made it to the verse that I wanted to make it to. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Oprah. she has been around for a minute, hasn't she? I mean, she, (laughs) so, so anytime you see angel of the Lord, this is an appearance in the Old Testament of Jesus. This is an Old Testament appearance of Jesus. So Jesus got on Oprah's show. I thought that was cool. And I bet he was like, you get a miracle and you get a miracle and you get a miracle. This was awesome which belonged to Joash. Y'all know Joash, son of Abazar? Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. At the bottom, at the bottom. He could literally say, started at the bottom. Started at the bottom. Now. I'm sorry, everything's reminding me of music tonight. So let's, let's take this verse for just a second and unpack it. How many people in the room you um you have planted something in the past two or three years, like a like a garden. You're planting some plants or planting some. Uh, you know what? I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to know what you planted because this is a second chance. Okay, I'm sure you're using it for medical purposes, and I hope you tithe on it. That's all. That's all I can say for medical purposes. Medical purposes. So, so wow. So I don't know a lot about gardening plant. I can kill a plastic plant. Okay, I I don't have that that skill. So I had to do a little bit of research on this and I found it fascinating. This, this thing called threshing wheat was when you would gather the wheat, it, was, it wasn't good wheat. It had like dust and chaff and like dead insects. It was nasty. And so you'd get all this dead, nasty, or, or you get all this wheat with all this stuff in it and you would take a pitch. you would try to get on an elevated place, like on a hill, and it would need to be a windy day You would take the pitchfork, stick it in the wheat, throw it in the air. The wind would come along and remove the chaff, the dust, the dead insects, and and what would fall to the ground was a better quality of wheat. So over time, as you did this, threshing the wheat, you would wind up with a better quality of wheat that you could take to your family, that you could sell at the market. And this process was also known when you took the wheat and you threw it in the air and the wind came along and hit the wheat. It was called sifting. The wind would sift the bad stuff out of the wheat. And eventually you wound up with something really, really awesome if you just stuck with the process. Now let me tell you why I think this is amazing. There's two metaphors for the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Fire, which we're gonna talk about next week, and wind. Fire and wind. And I love the metaphor of wind because as we make ourselves available to God, as we make ourselves available to the Holy Spirit, he will sift us. That means he will remove the stuff that doesn't need to be there and replace it with something better. Now, it's a process, but if we will daily submit to the Spirit And say have your way rather than these are the things I want. Jesus have your way in me today and we will let him sift us. He will remove some stuff. But he always replaces it with something better. And and that's what I'm going to challenge the men to do at the end of the night. Is just make yourselves available to Jesus to say Jesus I want you to sift me and have your way in my life. Now here's the problem. There's a problem. He's. Threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press. So, so there's a, there's a, a wine press is a hole in the ground. It's basically a deep hole. You would dig out this hole, you'd take all the grapes from the grape harvest, you'd put it in the pit, people get in and step all over the grapes, and people are like, I don't want no wine that people had their feet all over. Two glasses in, you forget all about it. Um, Somebody told me about that. I don't know for personal experience, but. They would would do it at the bottom of of a hole in the ground. So, this is what doesn't make sense. Gideon is threshing wheat in the bottom of a wine press where the wind could not get down there. So, don't miss this. He's active, but he's not productive. Kind of like going to church every three or four weeks. Active. But not productive. He's just, I, and he's there because of fear. Now, before we move on, before we move on, we gotta say this. Don't criticize Gideon for being in the pit, because a lot of people see somebody else in a pit and we think they're bad. And what we gotta understand is some people are in a pit because they're bad, and some people are in a pit because they're broken. And we make a big mistake when we call a broken person a bad person, because at the end of the day, we don't know what they went through. If we had gone through what they went through, we would be be in a grave. So let's not judge people in a pit until we know their story, all right? So let's keep reading. So you got the angel sitting with Oprah. You You got Gideon at the bottom of a wine press, and this next verse gets me. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. When somebody meets me for the first time, often I get a comment and a question. Doesn't matter. Where? In the lobby, in a restaurant, in Walmart. Nobody's met me in Walmart in 20 years, so that's a bad, that's a bad I so I only go to Walmart for sermon illustrations. All right, but when somebody meets me for the first time, I get I get the comment is, "You're tall. You're tall," and I never know how to respond to that. I thank you. I like I didn't do it. Like I, I do you get your height from your dad? No, my dad was short. Um, I my one of my grandfathers was six six and the other was six seven. That's where I get my height. I'm tall. Yes, I know. And so, if you are a first timer and you're gonna come out to the first timers area tonight and you think you're gonna be funny and say, You're tall, it's not funny, don't do it, knock it off, it's dumb, all right? I, I know, I know. Which is always followed by this question Did you play any sports in high school? Which confused, why does that matter? That was like 34 years ago. My God, that was 34 years ago. That was 34 years ago. You didn't play football? No, boy like you should have played football. You yeah, a boy like you. Should have got a facelift. I, I, like, I don't know what to say when people start talking to me. Like, you didn't play basketball? No, were you tall enough? Well, I, obviously, because you told me I was tall. So I guess I just missed the basketball train. I didn't play baseball, but I did wrestle for a day. And if they'd have told me about that unitard singlet thing you had to wear, I wouldn't have even gone for a day because ain't nobody looks good in that. Nobody looks good in that. I went to wrestling practice one day. A friend of mine was wrestling. He taught me into going. This does have a point. And uh, I was in what you call the heavyweight division. Now, at the time, I was, I was like 215. And once you get above like 200, you, and in the heavyweight, there's, you had, if you were 215 and somebody else was over 300 pounds, you had to wrestle that person. Didn't matter. So I went in first day of wrestling practice, and we did all of our warm ups, and I'm going up against... I just, in my mind, I called him Billy Bob. And let me tell you why I called him Billy Bob. He, he was supposed to be twins and he didn't separate because this was the largest man I've ever seen. He was a, he was a large man. And I was like, I think I, can, I think I can take this guy. And so I started making plans and started getting in my stance. And the coach, let me tell you something about our coach. Um, he didn't know how to coach wrestling. He was a football coach. But in Easley, um, the way we did it in the 80s, they just had coaches that coach football and then you also coached something else that you didn't know anything about. So our softball team, all that other stuff. So, so here's our wrestling coach. He don't know anything about wrestling. He blows the whistle. And Billy Bob was not only humongous, he was fast. And he grabs me, throws me on the ground, and falls on me. <laughs> and my wrestling coach, in all of his brilliant wisdom, Looks at me and says, Perry, get up, which I thought was a phenomenal idea. In principle, coach, I agree with you. I think that is awesome. But I got a Kentucky Fried Chicken eating redneck, a biscuit away from 350 pounds on my back. So I want to get up. But I got some weight on me that's preventing me. Now, the reason you I was talking to a mom this morning whose son wrestles all the time. She's like, oh my gosh, I scream that at my kid all the time. Get up! Nobody wants to get up more than the person that's got Billy Bob on their back, right? Now, the reason I say that is because sometimes we get some spiritual weight on us and Christians will start yelling, get up! Do better! You're better than that. And they don't, we wanna get up, we just got a weight on us, and we we can't, and I'm talking to somebody tonight, either in the room or online, that you wish you weren't trapped, but you feel like you got this weight on you, and you don't know what to do, and if that's you, you came to the perfect place tonight because I want to show you something. Jesus was beside the tree at, at Oprah, so let's say that Jesus was like right here. Okay, let's just use this. So Jesus was here and Gideon was in a pit, at the bottom of a pit. So let's just say that Gideon was, was right here. You with me? So Jesus is here, and Gideon is here. Now with that in mind, let's look at this verse again. The angel of the Lord, so Jesus, appeared to him, meaning Gideon, and said, pause. If Jesus appeared to Gideon, that means that Jesus got down in the pit with him. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if you feel like you are in a pit, you got the weight of the world on your back, and everybody's yelling at you to get up, you don't know what to do, start looking around because Jesus is closer than you could ever imagine. The The only reason, listen, the only reason I'm on stage tonight is because Jesus met me in my pit. I'll bet you I've got three or four people in the room that you wouldn't even... Be here tonight had Jesus not met you in the pit, took the weight off your back, encouraged you, and so for some of us, he pulled us out of the pit because there was no way we were getting out of it on our own, amen? I, that's, that's, what's got, that's what blows my mind is we're always told we need to get to Jesus when Jesus is actually the one that came in, in, in the pit. He got down in the pit, and then watch what he said. Mighty hero. And I'm I'm sure Gideon he's doing the threshing stuff. Feels somebody in the room turns, look. Mighty hero. Is there somebody else in this is it you talk you talking to me? Mighty hero. And spoiler alert, Gideon literally goes on to raise an army and delivers the entire nation of Israel from slavery and oppression. It's awesome. So when Jesus speaks to Gideon in his pit, he doesn't say, you idiot, you imbecile, how could you be so freaking stupid as to get in this pit? He didn't speak to his past, he spoke to his potential. And when we listen to Jesus, not religion, but Jesus, he will always speak life into us. In other words, hey, I see you're in the pit, but this is not the life you have to live. You here's the good news. You don't have to live this way anymore. And then he says, "This the Lord is with you." Now at that moment, bam, Gideon had something that he'd never had: the Lord with him. I'm going to show you in the next two weeks that Gideon and his whole family they were worshiping Baal in a year or two. Which which leads me. Which leads me to the next, next verse and, and a confession before we get there. This week, this week, I, and I do this about once a month, but this week I was like, man, I might have to just get off social media for good. And it's not because, it's not because of the comments. Just to let y'all know, just a confession, I don't even really read the comments anymore. I saw the other day, I had 400 and something comments on something I was like, huh. People have something to do. That's great. I'm glad I gave somebody something to do. That's awesome. You know why I don't read through the comments? Because anybody whose opinions matters, they've got my cell number. Random people on the internet? But, But that's not the reason. The reason is because of stupid things that Christians say that sound good, but they're not true. Like I saw one the other day and I almost screenshotted it and and put the poop emoji with it, um, and just put, I, I did, I almost did, but I, but I didn't. Now I kinda wish I would've. This is what it said, now don't amen this, because it sounds good, but it's not true. This is what it said. God only answers the prayers of the pure. Now if that's true, we're all screwed. All of them. I'm pure. No, you prideful. That's, that's, uh, that's the problem. It's like, I'm sitting there and I'm, I read that like three or four times to make sure I was reading it right. And I was like, oh my God, like David, a man after God's own heart. I don't think we would use the word pure to describe David, right? And God, had, David wrote a book about prayers. So when we see stuff like that, sometimes we're like, I'll never have my prayers answered. But here's what's funny. Gideon wasn't even praying. He wasn't even really seeking God. And and it's funny, a lot of people say that they were seeking God, but all the while, God was actually seeking you. Not in your great place, but in your pit. And this is what happens. Gideon completely screws up the conversation with Jesus. And I'm talking to the person tonight in the room that maybe you feel like, You've tried the whole religion thing. You tried the Christianity thing. You tried the Jesus thing, and it just didn't work. You messed it up. Of course, you did. We all mess up. Everybody in this room has messed up. There's things that other people know about, and there's things that only you know about that you pray nobody ever, nobody else ever knows about. But we all mess up. But watch what he says to Jesus. First of all, he says, "Sir," which is a problem because he's not sir. He's Lord. Now, he's going to get that corrected in the next few weeks. You'll see the transition. It'll be fascinating, but watch this. Sir, Gideon replied, and then he does what we all do when we kind of get mad at God. He starts asking questions. He asks three questions. Here, here's Jesus. He's standing with Jesus, and Jesus is encouraging him. And he turns around and said, oh, well, I got some questions for you. And he asks three questions. Watch this. If the Lord is with us, and Jesus is like, I'm right here, dog. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? That's the second question. Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Number three, he's asking them questions. And this happens sometimes when we feel trapped. We start asking, why am I here? Why is this going on? And why did this happen? And let me just kind of let you know that there's a good shot that we will never have our questions answered this side of eternity. I had to come to this. I had to come to grips with for this myself. God doesn't owe me an explanation, and I asked Him for one for years. From the time I was 11 till the time I was about 18 years old, I ran from God, and this was my question: If God's so good and God's so loving, why'd He take my mother? I mean, talking about out of all the people on the planet to take with cancer, I could give Him a list of 10 people that He could have took other than her. Here I am, almost 52 years old. I've never gotten my answer. And you know what I've discovered through that process? It's not about what, it's about who. And when I can fix my eyes on who rather than what, I have to lock into the fact that even when I don't understand him, he's still good and he's still God. By the way, just a spoiler alert, Jesus never answers his questions. Never does. And he's like, I got questions. Question number one, question number two. You expect Jesus to be sitting there writing them down. Oh, I'm gonna get that. I'm gonna get with God. I'm gonna get with Gabriel. Gabriel was on that assignment. I don't know what he did, but I'm gonna get with... he, He didn't do that. And then he says this. But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Now, let's be honest. Did the Lord abandon the Israelites or did the Israelites abandon the Lord? But see what Gideon's doing here? Don't miss this. He's playing the victim card. Oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in this pit if it wasn't for God. You've put me in this pit, God. And, and the reason he was in the pit is because he, as well as everybody else, had abandoned the Lord. Don't we blame God for our mistakes sometimes? God, how could you let me get arrested? And God's like, I didn't put the 38 kilos of cocaine in your back seat. <laughs> We've talked about it before. God, how could you let me get pregnant? Well, Unless your name is Mary and his name is Jesus, God had nothing to do with that pregnancy. There's some activity that go, okay, I, I'm not gonna go into explanation. I'm just saying, he, he plays the victim card. And let me just kind of let you know, I, I said it often, I'll say it again. Victims never walk in victory. You can have people feel sorry for you for the rest of your life and you'll stay in that pit. And goes to the next verse. Oh, oh. Let's talk about this for a minute. There's been some controversy around, I don't know if y'all see the news or anything. There's been some controversy about Bud Light. I'm not a beer drinker, never really was a beer drinker. I take that back. Well, my dad used to work outside and send me in to get a beer for him I would always open it for him and take a sip. And that sip of an ice cold beer out of the refrigerator on a hot day was awesome. After that, it tasted like monk piss. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you, it did. It just it tasted awful. But that first sip was awesome. Which brings us back to Bud Light. A little controversy about Bud Light. Now, this is, this is my argument. This is my argument. It's light beer. It's not that good. I believe with all my heart, I, I could blindfold you, I could put um, a Bud Light, a Coors Light, a Michelob Light and cat PP in front of you and you could taste it and you wouldn't be able to tell, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Now there are some people who are like, I'm a beer connoisseur. Sir, if you know what Bud Light tastes like, you are not a beer connoisseur, you are a redneck. That's exa- that is what you are. You need to own it. Just just own it, all right? So, so I don't have a I don't have a dog in this fight, right? But Bud Light Bud Light missed the target. Pardon the pun. We'll talk about that in a minute. Cuz most beer drinkers are men. Would you agree? Would you agree? Now, they're all like, I drink beer. We're glad you're here, Helga. Um, just, just proud of you, all right? But most men are, are, the, are the beer drinkers. And we know the controversy surrounding Bud Light. And, and I've watched this play out for the past, what, March. March is when it started. So we're like two and a half months in. You know what Bud Light taught us? Men know how to fight. It's kind of funny, we had to get a beer company to to do it, but Bud Light taught us that men know how to fight. Because if you've seen the sales reports, they're not good. And here's what's funny men didn't fight by marching on the Bud Light factory, we didn't make protest signs, we didn't beat up Bud Light truck drivers. Just stop buying the product. And and they took notice. And then Target, I mean, we always known that women know how to fight. But when you get, I'm telling you, when you get women mad at Target, whew, man, how did you how did you do that? Did you sit in a room and go, guys? Let's all be dumb and think about how to lose a lot of money. I know, make the women mad. Now, let me tell you why the women got mad. The women didn't get mad because of they were selling prod, prodware, wear, if that's what they call it. The women got mad, and so did the men, because the children got targeted. Yeah. And you, you can, at some point, you gotta draw a line. At some point, you gotta draw a line. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be nasty. But I think as of yesterday, they lost about 10 billion in revenue. And all this, all this has shown me is that a, an upscale Walmart and Bud Light have, have proven that we know how to fight. Now, this is, this is my take on it. If men, if we can fight over something that doesn't really matter, I mean, I've never met a man that said, man, my life was falling apart. And somebody handed me a Bud Light and everything changed. I've never met that man. I've never met that man. But if we can fight over something that doesn't matter, what would happen if we just kind of stood together on God's word. What would happen if we made ourselves available to the spirit of God and we allowed the word of God to direct our steps? That's what Gideon did, spirit of God and the word of God. When Jesus said, mighty hero, that's the word of God being spoken into him. And when the word, just think about the power of the word of God. God spoke and the universe was created. There is power in a word from God. There's power in a word of God. So the spirit of God and the word of God spoke. just, just hit Gideon. And watch what happens, because this is, this is fascinating. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Pause. If he could go with the strength he had, he wouldn't be in the pit. This kind of confused me at first. But then... Two verses before, what did Jesus say? The Lord is with you. So the strength that Gideon now has is the strength that the Lord spoke into him through his word. Go in the strength that you have and rescue, the, rescue Israel from the Midianites. Oh, okay, I mean, I was thinking maybe go to church, have a consistent quiet time, you want me to rescue the nation i'm not a soldier i'm not even that good of a farmer and i'm in a pit jesus is like yeah you're you're my guy i want you to go and rescue israel from the Midianites. by the way he does we're going to see that over the next several weeks i am sending you god i love that I love it because Jesus, when he speaks to us into the pit, he's not speaking condemnation. He's speaking affirmation. He's like, I see where you are. I know what's happened, but now I'm with you. And Gideon led a movement that changed a nation, but don't miss this, men. It started with a personal encounter with Jesus that's how it started Jesus met him in his pit spoke a word and he went and did things that he could have never imagined that's my story almost seven years ago now I was in a pit Arizona rehab I've shared the story many times where I was on the verge of checking out and taking my own life and God spoke to me That's why that song messes me up. And he said, I'm not through through with you. I'm not through with you. And the only reason I'm standing on this stage tonight is because I got a word from God. And I'm telling you, if he can turn my life around. Sir, he can turn your life around too. So I thought, what if we ended a little bit different tonight? I'm gonna invite every man in the room in just a minute who feels led to stand and pray with me. Now don't stand yet because I'm gonna show you what we're gonna pray. And if you don't think you can stand and pray this with all your heart, then I would, listen, I would ask you to just stay seated and there's no shame or condemnation. In fact, if you look at it and you're like, I can't say that right now, then you know where you are, you can evaluate where you are, but for the men in the room that feel trapped and are ready to get out of the pit, this is the prayer I'm going to challenge you to pray in just a second. We're going to pray this together. And it's simple, but it's powerful. Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, remove from me what does not belong and replace it with all that you want i am yours there's there's no list of things that we want in this prayer this is just a simple this is offering ourselves the way Gideon the way when Jesus met Gideon and he ultimately offered himself i would be willing to bet that if 300 men rescued the nation of Israel, that the hundreds of men who have took a stand today can make a change in this community, this state, this nation, and this world. So Father, I wanna come to you right now and just ask you in the name of Jesus to move the hearts of everyone in this room Maybe someone watching online in their living room, they just need to stand up. So heads bowed, eyes closed, with no one looking around. If you know that you need to take this stand, you wanna pray this prayer with me, I just want you to stand up. If you're a man, I want you to just stand up because we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it, wow, wow, wow. This is the start. This is the start of something special in our church. But even more than that, this is the start of something special in your life. We're gonna pray this prayer. Let's pray it together on three. One, two, three. Out loud, Jesus, through the power of your Holy Spirit and your word, remove from me what does not belong and replace it with all that you want i am yours father god right now in the name of jesus i want to thank you for the men that are standing right now and have said these words god i i want to thank you tonight that we we know who we are in you that in you we are forgiven and you we are free and in you we are more than able god we know who we are we know who you are and god we know you'll show us what you want Jesus, thank you so much for that promise. That you are with us, that you've never left us, you've never forsaken us. And with heads bowed and eyes closed tonight before we leave, maybe you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to Christ. You never asked Him into your life. You've never had your sins forgiven. You never told him, I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. I want, I want to be a Jesus follower. And tonight, tonight, that's your, that's your next step. Men, women, that's your next step. You know you need to ask Jesus in your heart. I'm gonna invite you to pray with me, a prayer. And, and the prayer is the way that we ask Jesus into our heart. There's nothing magical about the words. It's just telling him we want him to come live in our lives. We're turning our lives over to him. In just a second, I'm gonna say this prayer and you repeat it after me and I'm gonna ask you to repeat it out loud. Say it out loud, but not by yourself because our whole Second Chance family is gonna pray this prayer out loud with you so that you know you're, you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus, supported by others. So if that's you and you know you need Christ tonight, I want you to pray this with me, I want you to pray it out loud, like you mean it in Second Chance family, let's pray it with them, say, Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I confess you as Lord, come into my life and take over. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, you literally just crossed over from death to life, I wanna pray with you and I wanna pray for you. And I wanna know who you are. So if you just prayed that prayer and you 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 meant that prayer, I want you to do me a favor and just put your hand straight up in the air and hold it up straight up in the air so I can see it. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? My hands, leave them up, leave them up, leave them up. I wanna, I wanna make sure I'm seeing everybody. I wanna make sure I'm seeing everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. Right by here in the back. That is awesome. Thank you so much. Father, I wanna thank you so much for these hands in the air. I wanna thank you that all day today, Jesus, you have saved people, that people have crossed over from death to life. And I pray for every single person tonight that prayed to receive you. That as they walk out these doors, they would walk out knowing that they've been made brand new, that they can walk in the power of your forgiveness and freedom and God I want to I want to pray for every man that stood. I want to pray for every man that said that prayer, Jesus, that this week by the by the power of your word and by the power of your spirit that we would remember this moment and know that we can overcome anything that comes our way because greater is he that is in me. Then he that is in the world for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and all God's people said amen. Are you glad you came to church tonight? Man, y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all back for part two next Sunday.